Good morning. It's Mark Johnson from Aloy 360. Hope everyone's healthy, happy, and safe this Friday afternoon. Uh, welcome back to another edition of Loyalty Live. This is a series where we talk to the leaders in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology, best practices, and insight they are seeing uh, regarding customer loyalty. Obviously, very important during an era of COVID-19, but looking forward to hearing uh, more uh, today. Uh, brands have to have a unique ability to drive customer experience, drive engagement at the end of the day to get to a long-term loyal customer. And that's what the series focuses on. And today, we have the pleasure of speaking with David Ben Riggering, who is the Chief Executive Officer at DropTank. How are you, David? I'm good. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, first off, for those who may not know uh, about you and about DropTank, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role with the company, and also kind of what DropTank does? Sure. So, uh, Dave Van Wigren, I'm the CEO of DropTank. Um, let's see a little about me. I have five kids, so I pretty much uh, do that in DropTank. That's, uh, so, I think we have some of that in common, Mark. Yes. Um, I only have four. You have four kids? Okay. Yeah, well, try to keep up. Try to keep up. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I have a finance and marketing background. I used to be responsible for payment and loyalty at BP in the U.S. And that's kind of how I got into this. Um, started Drop Tank in 2012 and um, began offering loyalty strategy and some loyalty technologies and then eventually turned into full-blown loyalty programs uh, for fuel brands and um, kind of the, the fuel and convenience store industry. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's Drop Tank. Um, uh, we, uh, we really believe in the concept of relationships. So not only uh, internally, I uh, feel strongly about the relationships that we have with, uh, with our employees and our partners and things like that, but it, uh, and I'm just even outside of, uh, outside of the company, it's just a personal uh, belief. It's a little bit of why we're here is, uh, is relationships. And I love the opportunity uh, and the team loves the opportunity to work on relationships that brands have with their customers. So we kind of start there making sure that uh, uh, what we do is, is creating meaningful relationships. Absolutely. Can you share uh, with us a fun fact uh, about yourself? It's always great to uh, learn something new uh, with those we're talking to on Loyalty Live, aside from the five kids. <laughs> sure. Uh, let's see. Um, well, let's see. Last year, um, I was on an elliptical machine next to Barack Obama. Uh, it was kind of weird. I was in a, I was in a hotel in, in San Francisco, just kind of doing my thing, you know. And this, you know, as as normal as happens, you know, somebody pulls up beside you, hops on, starts uh, starts working out. I just kind of did a glance over, like a little double take type of thing. I was like, man, that guy looks a lot like Barack Obama. Um, but I thought, no, it can't be. There'd be a bunch of security around here or something. I looked over my right shoulder and they're like two of the biggest guys I've ever seen, um, uh, you know, in, in a sport coats. So I was like, ah, okay, it's, it's, uh, it's Brock. So anyway, that was, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's fun, but that was uh, just kind of interesting popped in my head. That, that, that's a, uh, that's a good fun fact for sure. It's uh, good to hear. Hopefully uh, you didn't make uh, the security uh, secret service. No. Because, uh, and I, you know what? I'm proud of myself. I didn't, I didn't bother him. I didn't, you know, say anything or whatever. And the guy is pretty fit. He is, uh, for his age, ridiculously fit. That's good. That's good enough. Um, uh, can you give us a brief overview of Drop Tank? I know we kind of talked about a little bit what you guys do, how you do it, how uh, you guys reform the genesis of the company. I uh, would like to know, uh, you know, the industries you work with, what you do for them. You talk about the passion and engagement you have with them, which is great to hear, but I'd love to know a little bit more about kind of uh, Drop Tank. 
I got you. Yeah. So, uh, Drop Tank is a loyalty marketing company. We specialize in kind of end-to-end loyalty solutions. So um, we are not focused on one particular piece of tech, uh, whether it's marketing automation or the rules engine or something like that. There are different technology players out there. We do use Oracle Cloud for to host all of our, our stuff. We're completely cloud-based um, and uh, kind of an end-to-end tech stack, including the, you know, the engine, marketing automation, data warehouse, analytics. And then we offer a number of services to, to pull that all together. And it, it really gets at what... Uh, you know, it's not for everyone, but for, for companies that are either looking at reinventing their solution where they would like to say, you know, they, they're recognizing, hey, we can't be expertise at our core business or, you know, products and services. And at the same time, know how to engage with customers in a wicked smart way and, and track it and, and analyze it. Drop Tank, uh, you know, is, is a great service for folks like that or, or folks that there's a, a new product, new service, or it's, it's a launch for the first time, a solution. We can be a very nice turnkey uh, way to get that, that going. Our expertise is in the fuel and convenience store uh, industry, but the tech stack that we have um, really, uh, really is applicable across industries. We happen to have a very deep knowledge of point of sale integrations, particularly in the petro space. Um, so we leveraged that, and that was kind of the genesis of the company. But um, when it comes to campaigns, promotions, some of the creative ideas, some of the DNA around loyalty, what what makes sense? What are what are the driving factors um, uh, that that really propel brands forward? Um, uh, we we feel that uh, we have we have that in spades. Um, so. Yeah, we, we enjoy enjoy what we do, and we're looking to uh, to expand outside of out of fuel as well. Great. Um, one thing we like to ask uh, brands, suppliers, uh, agency partners is understanding how they define certain uh, facets of uh, kind of the customer loyalty. So, we, you know, the first question, obviously, how do you find how do you define customer loyalty? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to your organization? And what does that mean to the brands that you work with? Sure. Well, I go back to uh, relationships. Um, the at the end of the day, what we're trying to achieve here is a meaningful, lasting relationship between a customer and the brand. Uh, and you know, you can think of that cynically, like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's all about the money and, and things like that. But I would, you know, I would, uh, I would argue that those relationships have value uh, beyond just the transactional nature. Um, so you can think of, uh, I mean, this is a great time. This is a great example. Brands that have powerful, uh, this time of COVID-19, brands that have powerful relationships with their customers, trusted relationships, they have interactions where over time, the, these, these customers have come to know their brand. And even sometimes you, you get a sense of this, you start to get a sense of the type of people who are running the show at that brand and the, the type of values they have. When you can start to expose that type of, of, of stuff to customers, uh, we talk about loyalty programs. That's kind of like the um, a touch point a lot of times. Um, but when you can uh, expose those values and um, provide opportunities to those customers to see who you really are as a brand, um, it, uh, it is healthy, not just transactionally, but also um, it's, health, uh, it's healthy to the end customer. So they have trusted, uh, you know, tr- uh, providers. Uh, and um, it's, it is just healthy long-term for, uh, for that brand and customer relationship. 
Um, uh, so that, that's the way that we think about loyalty is that relationship. And it really, it really feeds into everything we do. When I see a new campaign that's being proposed uh, for a client, um, you know, we put ourselves in the, in the shoes of the client. We put ourselves in the shoes of the customer. Is it compelling? Is it building the long-term relationship? Is there an element of trust here? Is there an element of, um, uh, you know, deepening that relationship? Things that are not, not compelling and don't really speak to the values of the brand, um, we tend to throw out. Okay, interesting. So to kind of follow up on that, uh, what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you see in customer loyalty these days? Obviously, COVID's been a big disruptor. Uh, there are lots of data privacy. You know, what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you see pertaining to customer loyalty? Yeah, there are a number of challenges, but um, the biggest one we see, and it might be just from our vantage point, but uh, as we get to know more and more about customers, you know, data insights and things like that, um, as customers begin to interact with us in more and more ways, social media um, and, uh, you know, kind of the explosion of different marketing channels that are available, the complexity right. of interfacing and building those relationships, maintaining those relationships with customers, the complexity of that is getting, it's getting, it's, it's you know, it's a high bar. It's a high bar for folks to, uh, to manage. So you do end up seeing, you know, some of the better loyalty programs I've seen um, are relatively simple to execute, but yet they still expose the values. They still expose, um, you know, meaningful, compelling uh, offers and messages. But they've, you know, they've kind of limited themselves to a certain extent because they're not hitting all the channels. You know, their, their marketing is maybe not quite as targeted as it could be in things. Um, but they've, they've had to simplify. So I think, uh, I think, the real opportunity is to take the complexity and, um, and find a way to remove it. Um, and that's one of the things that we try to do is, is drop tank for our clients is to say, look, you're really good at this. Stay good at that. Don't, don't lose sight of your products, your services. Um, but we can help really remove a lot of the complexity around the marketing channels, uh, around the creative, around the marketing automation in particular. Um, uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's what we think is the biggest challenge is the complexity. Great. And can you name a brand or maybe a few that do ex an exceptional job of creating customer loyalty and why? Yeah, you know, uh, some of these are probably cliche. I know, Mark, you uh, you live and live and breathe this stuff. So I apologize if uh, if maybe some of these are are uh, everybody's answers. Um, but you know, I I like uh, I like Amazon. Uh, I like Apple. Um, you know, even though I use, personally, I use Android products. I mean, the stuff they were doing early on in terms of uh, both of them, the examples I use there, both of them, the concept of loyalty has permeated all throughout the business and is not just an offshoot of, mar of the marketing department. You know, that typically is where things start, but right. successful, you know, successful programs bring that uh, into the C-suite. So, you know, realizing that your product, if you're Apple, realizing that it's uh, it's not just a product, it's an experience. You know, if you remember uh, being amazed by the packaging, you know, in the early days of some of the products, you know, iPods and uh, iPads and stuff, it's just the attention to detail, the experience you had when you were opening it, the experience you had when you were turning it on. You know, same with, with Amazon, just being amazed by the efficiency and, and clarity, super simple stuff. 
Um, but, but in order to actually, you know, the, the, like the fast and free shipping, you know, being a part of that, what it takes to actually execute that is not just a marketing team. It is deep into the operations of the, of the entire thing. And of course, you know, the analytics are unsurpassed um, from an Amazon perspective. So those are a couple of the reason I like those, you know, even though we offer an end to end kind of customer engagement solution, we're always preaching uh, and, and trying to help our clients and those touch points, particularly in marketing, help to elevate them and, and give them the messages to preach how this needs to be more than just a marketing initiative. It needs to be really a philosophy and a way of operating. So I like those examples. Absolutely. And can you, um, you talked about a, a couple of brands you think you do a good job. Are those the brands that you find yourself loyal to? Uh, you talked about Apple, talked about Amazon. Are there uh, airlines, credit cards, retailers, uh, grocers that you find yourself loyal to and, and, and maybe why? Yeah. So I, I, I mentioned I'm kind of an Android guy, unfortunately. I, I mean, we have Apple products uh, in the house. My wife is diehard Apple. So I appreciate that. Amazon, pretty big Amazon family, five kids. You know, a lot of things showing up in one day at my house, you know, in uh, brown boxes. Um, I guess, uh, let's see, for me, the, the, the brands that, uh, that I'm particularly, uh, I, I really like what they're doing in terms of loyalty and the loyalty they've generated. Um, uh, one of these, okay, so one I'll use is Stitch Fix. Um, I mean, if there was ever a company that was like, hey, how can we make Dave's life better? You know, I hate shopping. I... Uh, um, I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm even partly colorblind, you know. I don't, so my wife laughs at me when I put stuff together. So uh, uh, Stitch Fix, the, the attention to detail and the the personalization. I don't know how they. I'm, I'm, I I keep thinking to myself, there must be some automation in here for how they communicate with me and understand me and and uh, you know find uh, find stuff that that work and, and fit for me. This, uh, but it does seem pretty darn personalized. I, I'm not exactly sure how they do it. So that the personalization of Stitch Fix um, has been um, amazing to me. What is Stitch Fix? Stitch oh, Fix. Stitch Fix. Yeah, it's it basically um, it's a service that uh, you you fill out some things about yourself. Yeah. Uh, and the types of clothes that uh, you're interested in, and uh, you can set it up where they will send you on a regular basis five items. So it could be a, a blazer, it could be a pair of jeans, it could be a belt, it could be a shirt, it could be a you know, for guys, anyway, it's dresses and blouses and earrings and stuff like that for girls. Um, and then um, they send it to you um, and you can send it back if you don't like it. But if you accept items in there, then you end up being billed for them. Okay. And each time you make choices about what you send back and say why, um, they, they kind of refine their understanding of what type of stuff you might like. And they're sometimes stretching you. Uh, in the next shipment, hey, maybe maybe we should try this. Maybe Dave likes blazers, you know. Maybe uh, maybe need some funky socks, you know, or something like that. Oh, okay, didn't work. Uh, we'll, we'll drop that. So it's it, they learn about you. That's good. The model gets, um, uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's, it gets tighter every time, so it's good. Yep. So the other, one, the other one I like, I'll throw out there uh, for different reasons is uh, Ducati Motorcycle Company. Okay, they have you know a little bit of a loyalty program. But what they really have is a, uh, an amazing focus on the feeling of the, the bike and the sound and the look and the, the image that they've cultivated that um, for decades. And they have an incredibly loyal following. Um, I happen to be a Ducati owner, so I, that's, that's one of mine. Um, I just love the, 
Um, I like I like going to the dealership in Chicago. I like that somehow they managed to just keep this image and this feel. Um, that is, uh, it's kind of a niche niche market, but it's 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 very cool to me how they maintain it. Absolutely. Um, I had to get rid of my bikes a long time with four kids. Uh, did it myself. My wife didn't force me, so uh, yeah. got well, got convertibles instead. So that's easier. Yeah, my wife's uh, not happy either. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, COVID-19, what have you seen uh, from COVID-19 and the impacts on your clients or, or brands in general? And then maybe a couple brands you think they're doing a good job of pivoting or reinventing themselves during this time period. Yeah, so in uh, the fuel and sea store industry, we've definitely seen, you know, there was, it was amazing. I think I, I shared this before when we spoke, Mark. Um, in about two weeks, the entire industry lost about 40% of its fuel volume, 40 to 50% of fuel volume. If you would have asked me, before COVID, what would it have take for, taken for people to literally in two weeks drive like half as much across the United States and probably in the world? Um, I, you know, you can only think of things like a nuclear war or, you know, you know, I don't know, crazy, crazy stuff that, that could have done that. It is amazing, the supply chain, though. So a lot of that has come back. Uh, it's not all the way back yet on the fuel side. The good news is for the C-Store industry, they saw a lot of convenience store sales go up. So a lot of the kind of daily staples, um, people started going to grocery stores a lot more. Uh, they started going to convenience stores a fair amount more. So thankfully, the industry has been relatively spared um, despite the drop in fuel. You know, what I've seen happen, and it's been surprising, I would have thought we would have seen a lot more pullback, certainly pullback in the markets. I'm, I'm surprised to see um, you know, people uh, discounting risk uh, that seems to be out there to me uh, in the in the financial markets. But likewise, I do see a similarity in um, the clients we talk to. They are very much thinking ahead, forward thinking, assuming this is a blip moving uh, moving forward. But I have seen uh, I and I, it, again, this is you know, you're doing this for anecdotal. Uh, I know you do this with more than more than just uh, one. Um, one uh, voice here. So the voice here, Dave Van Wigeren is seeing uh, people thinking about their customer relationships, prioritization over the customer, with the customer. I, I honestly think it has elevated through COVID-19. Um, there are things like, you know, streamlining efforts and cost saving efforts and divestments of businesses and realignments. And a lot of those things are still kind of happening, but I think a lot of people have said, holy cow, we, you know, we need to think about the core. The, you know, this is these customers. We can't take them for granted in the same way. You know, they never say they take it for granted, but when when you prioritize other initiatives in front of it, um, it can happen where customers are taken for granted. Absolutely. And, and, and in this environment, I think that uh, I've seen a lot of clients revisit um, how are we being perceived by our customers and how do we do better a bit of a, a sense of anxiety and fear over, over COVID-19. Absolutely. So when you look at uh, some of the impacts that you've seen, uh, obviously I think focus, empathy, kind of communication cadence, kind of balance the two is something we continue to see. Um, marketing strategies, what, what are you seeing in that regard? What are they asking you for this year? They may not have been asking you for last year. Our clients are, uh, I'd say occasionally uh, we're seeing um, what well, definitely is impacting the type of offers and campaigns that are out there. Um, making sure that clients do not appear tone deaf, but also trying to give customers a sense of stability 
uh, in those customers. So I'll give an example. Um, in the fuel and sea store industry, frequency is very important. You know, let's get two out of, uh, if somebody's visiting us two out of five times a month, let's get them to, you know, how do, how do we entice them to be three out of five, that type of uh, next, uh, next level customer. Um, but we recognize in this environment, people are traveling less. There's, you know, there's not as much activity. There's more quarantining, all that good stuff. So um, offers related to frequency are still out there, but we're seeing clients scale back. Okay, if you needed to hit five visits in a month to hit this tier, you know, good news, it only takes four. We're not trying to get you to, you know, really step outside of uh, the COVID world um, or get back to that. We're, we're recognizing it. So we see a kind of a dial down um, uh, of achievements. We also see, uh, at least in our industry, more of a marketing towards everyday items. So it used to be really heavy into the next flavor of Jacklinks or something. You know, how do we get people to try that next thing? Well, now it's like, hey, we sell Jacklinks. <laughs> you know, um, you know, come to us. Perhaps maybe, uh, maybe when you're thinking you might go to a grocery store, or or even if you're thinking you might be going to a restaurant. Um, be thinking, you know, think, think of convenience. Um, so the tone has changed a little bit and don't be tone deaf. Um, uh, make sure your achievements are achievable and, um, uh, you know, we're turning the dial in terms of the, uh, the everyday item type of marketing, which seems to, seems to be matching up with people's uh, willingness to spend. Absolutely. Is, is there a piece of advice that you could give uh, to brands, to marketers, that are looking to improve their customer loyalty, customer experience strategies, like one or two things they should be focusing on, you know, sim something simple that they can make actionable and kind of uh, put it into play. All right, this is stupid, simple stuff. Um, and we all see it, but uh, use the lens of, is it compelling? That's stupid, simple, but I'm sure we all get, get things from, uh, from customers. It's not just, you know, are we target marketing? You know, has this person, you know, bought a, an energy drink in the past? Should they get an energy drink offer? Is the offer, is the visual, is the message, is the subject, headline, all these things, is this compelling? If it's not compelling, please don't send it. Um, that's stupid, simple. I'm sure everybody says that. But I think there are a lot of programs out there that get into these campaigns and, okay, it's, you know, Q4 is right around the corner. Um, we need to have, you know, 10 messages this quarter. Uh, what are they going to be? Oh, you know, let's, we got to fill the hole. Let's, let's just put something out there and okay, we did our job. Yep. I hit my, um, I hit my target of having 10 messages per member or whatever it is. And um, I'm worried that people have like performance contracts or something, you know, in marketing departments of loyalty companies that are tied to uh, hitting certain, you know, certain targets, but they lose this concept of, is the message compelling? Um, and that's really subjective. It's really hard, but that would be the one piece of advice that I would have for market, you know, loyalty marketers, uh, the folks in charge of programs, please, you know, take a step back, look at your next quarter, look at your next six months and just ask the question, is this compelling? Right. Yep. Uh, trying to put yourself in the customer's shoes is uh, truly hard to do, right? Uh, it, it's difficult. And uh, there's a great book called Story Brand I like to reference a lot. It's really making the customer the hero, not the brand a hero, right? Not not your company the hero, right? Truly understanding and writing in their 
to, to bring value to them. That's hard to do, and it's uh, you know something that uh, it can be very advantageous if you do it that way. Yeah. So is, is there uh, kind of a new technology uh, that you think or an idea that, that brands can be focusing on that, that can help them drive uh, you know, deeper customer loyalty? Maybe it's a new technology now or something that's coming down the, the pike, AI or machine learning or mobile proximity. You know, what are some of the new technologies or maybe even market technologies that brands can be using? Yeah. So... Uh, Honestly, it's uh, you know you hit you hit on one of them that's uh, pretty big. It's it's a little buzzwordy, um, but it is true. Machine learning, um, as we talked about complexity, the complexity of all the different channels, uh, millions of members, the many products, and uh, getting the um, messaging right and compelling requires automation, and so um, making that more targeted requires more and more machine learning. So. Uh, it's not good enough just to have a data warehouse and be able to produce dashboards. It's not good enough to, con you know, to link that data warehouse to a, um, a marketing automation tool like Salesforce Marketing uh, Cloud or Responses or whatever. Name your, uh, name your product. Um, there needs to be an eye towards um, uh, automated learning about uh, the customers. A lot of people talk about uh, doing it. Um, I, I find that it's rarely actually being done. And I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to admit, you know, machine learning for us is uh, we have a long ways to go. There is a long ways to go. And if, I think if loyalty marketers are honest, then they would, they would say, you know, there's so much more that we can be doing there. Um, um, you know, and, and it comes not just in learning about your customers, but learning about your data, finding anomalies, finding fraud, finding, you know, all these things that machines can be, um, you know, configured to uh, to help you help you understand. So we're on a journey there for sure, and um, that's where I think there's the biggest the biggest impact to overall loyalty marketing is going to be that learning. Okay. So when you look five years down the road, what is customer loyalty going to look like? Customer experience going to look like? You know, even customer uh, strategy. What is that going to look like? How's it going to be different than today? You know. This is, uh, this is something you and I have talked about just briefly, but I think there is a, um, I think there is a push or a tendency for brands to start taking sides in some of the cultural changes and political changes that are happening in the United States. Um, and uh, I have a personal hope uh, around some of this stuff, but I, I do think you're going to see a change. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to, um, and I think it's unfortunate, but I think you are going to see some brands start to take sides in political arenas and in socioeconomic arenas and some of the debates, some of the great debates that are happening. And um, uh, I think you're going to start to see in the same way uh, that you're seeing division grow in society uh, around yeah, politics and, and, uh, and social uh, social justice, equality, and, and the ways we had, the way we get to a, a, you know a better place as a uh, the people have different ideas of how they get there. I think you're going to start to see some brands feel pulled into some of those um, yeah. those discussions. And in some ways, people would say, "Well, that's great, that's good. We need progress. We need you know we need support." I'm worried. I'm worried about that. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see um, brands take sides. 
Um, I think there's an opportunity for brands to be um, the adults in the room and show an example of being able to, to work with anyone, to maintain relationships with anyone, despite maybe having differences, um, to be respectful and tolerant of different ideas and opinions. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful to see and I'm anxious to see which brands over the next five years are able to maintain that cool, calm confidence around who are we, what do we do, who are we here to serve, what's our purpose, and be an example of, of being tolerant of, of multiple points of view. Um, but I think over the next five years, you're going to start to see some brands um, become the brands of this group and the brands of that group. And, you know, I think you're going to see some division. Yeah, I think we've already started to see that. Hopefully, uh, we can get back uh, to some modicum of sanity uh, within the U.S., um, but that's just me. Um, you know, what can we do as a trade association that's focused on customer loyalty, uh, customer experience, helping brands, the community that we're building? What can we do to help in, in your journey and their journey? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, uh, you know, kudos to you guys. Uh, this, this concept of a group that um, helps to educate the industry, helps to advocate on behalf of the industry, it's, it's very needed. You know, I've had the privilege to go to some different parts of the world, see loyalty, particularly coalition loyalty, and so many other developed parts of the world, coalition is, is key. And it's, it's, a, it's a major piece of overall loyalty strategy for so many brands in developed parts of the world. In the U.S., not so much. We're a very large market and we don't have real coalitions. And we could talk about that for a long time, but um, it's amazing how different parts of the world grew up differently when it comes to loyalty. So you have, Mark, a big responsibility in this industry. You have so many proprietary loyalty solutions, so many brand specific loyalty solutions. And they, you know, the brands and even the loyalty uh, providers like Drop Tank are uh, looking for education looking for best practices. And um, uh, so I think the, the type of, uh, you know, being able to listen to other kind of podcasts and uh, live streams like, like this, uh, being able to, when the time is right, have venues for practitioners to come together, learn a little bit more about uh, what's being done. I think it's so critical, particularly in the U.S., uh, to have that opportunity because you have so many, so many different practitioners from so many different brands trying to be brought up to speed uh, to do a better job. Um, so uh, anything related to education, anything related to authentic, um, uh, you know, auth authentic examples and, and uh, use cases like, uh, um, uh, you know, specific, uh, you know, like when you go to business school, you know, and they present you with, a, you know, here's an actual example, here's an actual use case, what would you do? You know, and then being being able to see the outcome of that. I, I've seen some of that stuff uh, from the articles that you guys put out in terms of here's an, an actual example of somebody doing something. Um, right. Yeah, bringing that authenticity to it and not just having it be an opportunity for Drop Tank to sell into brands or brands to tell people why they're, why they're the, the greatest thing ever. Um, helping to tease out the authentic learnings um, is is a lot of your, uh, your role. I think you guys are doing a good job of it. No, I appreciate that. I think, uh, thank you for that. Uh, we're definitely looking to kind of bring some objectivity, uh, trying to do different things like these series and some of the industry papers that we're doing, but really focused on growing the community 
uh, and kind of getting people together as part of that community, right? The, the membership component, just what you get in the engagement and partnership and best practices. But I think the, the thing you hit on mostly is that, you know, how it works, right? And a lot of people will get on and they'll talk about their program, but never really give an example of, you know, how brands should do it, how they should consider it, how to create simplicity. And that's really what the market needs is, is uh, programmatic and but case study based approaches that, that have worked, right? That others have done that they can succeed with. Uh, and I think that, that kind of kind of ameliorates a confusion that does exist. So that's good to hear. Well, David, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was great talking with you and uh, look forward to uh, you know, catching up with Drop Bank later this year. And thanks for the time. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Good to All talk right. to you. Thank, thank you. you.